בוקר טוב, everyone. Just if you could, <laughs> if you could just raise your hand if you weren't here yesterday. Just so on the, ooh. Okay, טוב. בסדר, so... Okay, so first I want to say that tonight is the end of, uh, of Hanukkah. Uh, this day is actually a very, very special day. It's called Zot Hanukkah in our tradition. A very, very special day. Unfortunately, we'll talk about today, tomorrow, I think, in one of the sources that we'll be learning. Uh, it's a fer- very important day. According to the Ari, um, this day is actually the day of Hatimat Adin. The day where our, de- our, how do you say Khatimat Adin in the? The sealing of, of judgment happens today. Um, we're going to learn about that. It's, a, it's the ending of the whole process of Yamim Nuraim actually happens today, uh, according to Kabbalah. Uh, we're going to talk about all that either at the end of today or uh, starting tomorrow. I want to sum up a little bit. What we did yesterday, we had a very nice learning yesterday, uh, to say here and there what we did, and then we'll uh, continue with today's learning. So we're talking about Hanukkah as being the Chag of home, right? What it means to be at home, what are the parameters of home, where am I at home? If you remember, um, we started our Limud, with, um, our Limud of Hasidut, actually with Agmara, uh, our first source, Uh, the Gemara on Hanukkah, we notice that the wording on Hanukkah is a little bit strange, it's a little bit uh, unusual grammatically, right? It says, Tanu Rabbanan mitzvat Hanukkah ner ishu veito. Why is there an emphasis on the Chag being about ishu veito, the person's home? Not just bait, a home, but beito, his home. What, it, what makes a place into a home? We talked about that, we opened up with that. What, make, what makes any place, any space into beito? His home, each person's home, each one of us, our homes, what makes a place into, into uh, our home. And we began to investigate what makes a place into a home with the study of halacha. Um, we studied the, we learned the Kitzuf Shulchan Aruch. We were looking for halachic definitions, k- characterizations that turn a bait into beito, a home into his home, into our home, right? Into my own, uh, my own place. And we came up with two Categories. If you remember, one is a place that you pay for, and two is a pl- place that you sleep in. A place that you pay for, we spoke of uh, that, again, we were learning, we read the text sort of in standard uh, eyes, and then we read the text with Hasidic eyes, right, with a drashanut on, uh, on uh, the halacha, and we read that, uh, and we learned that a place that you pay for, really in, in the Hasidic eyes, money, Kesef is always viewed as kisufim. It comes from the same word. Kisufim is yearning, longing, wanting to be part of. The idea that you pay a token, like we learned uh, the halacha yesterday, where if you have to light a candle and you're not in your home, the way that al- what allows you to light a Hanukkah candle when you're not in your home is if you give a token, if you give a coin, something to as if to participate in the expense of the Baal Abayit, right? And we said that Kesef comes from the word Kisufim. Money is a representation. It's a concrete representation of something that you give of yourself. It's a way of being involved. It's a way of being present. It's a way of giving of who you are. That's one category that turns a place into a home, meaning a place that you give of yourself, a place that you're invested in, that you give something of who you are to that place. And the second category that we spoke about is a place that you sleep in. And we read, um, 
Again, we read the halacha with Hasidic eyes. What does this mean? So here we spoke uh, at length. Um, uh, what we were saying, a place that you sleep in, uh, we spoke about the deep concept of sleep in Hasidut. It's really the place that allows for dreaming. You know, Hanukkah is the Chag of Dreams. We're going to talk about that uh, today and tomorrow. Uh, it allows for prophecy. It allows for visions. It allows for what's beyond what I can see with my eyes. <clears throat> my actual eyes, in my uh, actual reality. And to learn this aspect of sleep, we gave an introduction about symbolisms uh, that actually come from the world of Kabbalah uh, that deal with the different months of the year in the Hebrew calendar. And we said that each month is represented with different symbols, like each month has a color that's unique to it, each month, each month has a different combina- combination of God's name, Shem each month has a different tribe associated with it, right? The tribe of Binyamin is associated with Kislev, Binyamin being the only son that was born in Eretz Israel, just like Kislev is the only Chag that happened in Eretz Israel. Uh, we said that each Chag has a different combination of the name of God, I think I mentioned that, and we said that also each Chag has a is associated with a specific fixing, a fixing of a sense or a fixing of a bodily function. We said that Kislev is the fixing of, of sleep, Tikuna Shena, and the fixing of the eyes, Tikuna Inaim. We started seeing the connection yesterday between Tikuna Shena and Tikuna Inaim, the fixing of sleep and the fixing of sight. And we said that each month also is represented in Kabbalistic uh, learning, is represented with a specific letter, in the Hebrew language, and the letter of the month of Kislev is the letter Samich. And in Sefer Yetzirah, the Book of Formation, one of our oldest uh, esoteric uh, texts that exist in our Jewish library, Sefer Yetzirah, it says, Himlich ot Samich b'shena, the letter Samich is associated with sleep. God crowned uh, the Samich with sleep. Samich is the letter of sleep. Samich is the letter of Kislev. And we spoke at depth about the letter Samich, Right? Um, I even drew a picture. Uh, and we said that Samech represents the whole idea of continuous, endless, eternal, cyclical motion. We go all the time, our whole life, from zero to 120, we go between movements of sleep, sleep as a metaphor, and movements of awakened state. We go through periods of death, again as a metaphorica, um, in, a, in, in a metaphorica understanding, and between periods of being alive, being connected to our life force, to our vitality, to who we are. Our whole life we go through these, this uh, motion. Sometimes we're in a state of sleep. Sometimes we're in a state of, uh, of being awake. We said that we could be, you know, we're not talking here only about, you know, when you're in bed sleeping. We're talking about in life in general. We said that we could be in a period of sleep for a long time. We could be in a period of sleep for years, right? What is the thing that will allow us to keep it together, to hold on? The belief in the Samich. Samich comes from the word Somech Nufnim. Somech, to be held, to rely, to be held, to hold on to something. Samech is the idea of Smicha, of Smicha with a Samech. We, Diane and Allegra got up, they were very sweet, and they, we showed an example of the Kislev kind of embrace as opposed to the rest of the year uh, embrace, the hug of Kislev, and we said that, that uh, Diane and Allegra hugged each other, we, we showed that the hug of Kislev is a hug that hands reach out and connect again after they hold on to something, and by doing that, by doing that, they actually create like an electrical circuit, 
כן? That there's continuous movement, and the person can actually lean back or let go because he knows he's being held. Right? The question is, who is my samich? Can I rely? Do I believe in the possibility of relying? כן? Of trusting, of letting go, of being held. Right? That's, uh, the idea of the samich is knowing that even though I am very deep in the dark, let's say, in a moment of darkness in me, I know I believe in the movement. I believe in the possibility of being connected to the light part of me, to the life force in me, to the vitality in me, to the life, chayim, part in me. Our whole life we go through, I know it sounds very dramatic to be saying states of death, states of uh, life, but um, we're not talking here about, you know, hospitals and cemeteries, you know, uh, maternity, chadar uh, leida, the birthing section and the graveyard. Uh, we're talking here about uh, internal situations. You know, it could happen many times a day. It could happen, you know, we have different seasons. Life is about this tnu'av the samich. And we, what we, um, what we uh, spent time doing yesterday is that we were learning two really beautiful, beautiful teachings, I think. Of, uh, the first one was Repinchas Mikorit, a student of the Baal Shem Tov. And the second one is Reb Nachman. And uh, we spoke at length uh, about the first teaching where he says, I think a really a beautiful, unusual learning, I think also a little bit undermining the classic uh, vision of, of life, <laughs> I would say. And that's that there's an aspect of sleep in everything. Not just in people who sometimes fall, but everything in the world has in it an aspect of sleep. Vegetation, ecology, water. If water doesn't sleep, if there's no point of uh, no life force in the water, then it has a bad taste. It spoils. It's such a beautiful image. We said that water in our tradition is Torah. Rapinchas is actually saying that even in the world of Torah, in the Malachim, in the angels, in the Otiyot, in the letters, there is an aspect of sleep. Meaning, what this really means is that if there was no aspect of sleep, we would not have been able to connect to the idea of life. Right? We can acknowledge, appreciate, celebrate life by knowing the existence of death. Okay? And that appears in everything in the world. Everything in the world. Even in the letters. Amy asked, uh, Amy is a writer, so I, uh, I expected a, a question like that from Amy about the letters. I just want to say that when he's speaking about the letters, it's clear he's not talk- that there's also an aspect of sleep in the letters. It's clear he's not talking about uh, Tolstoy and Dostoevsky. Right? Also, maybe. Maybe they also have a, a state of sleep, right, in them. He's talking about our letters, the letters of the Torah. He actually says it, Mamash, that in the Torah there is an aspect of sleep, right? Not as a reflection of my sleeping state, which is something we'll develop today, right? When I am asleep, obviously the world is reflected in a sleepier way for me because, because I'm not awake, so I don't sense life around me, right? But he's saying, no, not in relation to me. In an imminent way, there is an aspect of sleep in everything that exists in the world, even in the, whole, in the, even in the holy spaces, there's an aspect of sleep. So we spoke about that. Chadashim lifkarim, Rabbi Munatecha, Vechula, we talked about that uh, a lot. And then we read the Torah of Reb Nachman, a beautiful, sweet, deep Torah of Reb Nachman about the dreidel. Wendy's very sweet because she brought us dreidels today. When we learn today, I want to ask that before we start, we do a little uh, dreidel gaming. A little, uh, we said that dreidel supposedly is a children's game, but it's actually the story of our life. 
according to Reb Nachman, you know, when we know that we're always in this motion, right? We fall this way, we fall that way. It's not always so easy to know that. We basically have two options, I would say, according to Reb Nachman. One is to cry and say, Maye, you know, life is so crazy. How am I, you know, call as man, my wheel is spinning. I go up, I go down, I fall, I get up. I, ah, it's like, uh, where is she? Um, Judy, is she here today? Yeah. Ah, right, like what you said yesterday. How threatening it is to... How, uh, how, uh, how hard it is to think that I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I just want control. I just want safety. I just want everything to freeze as it is because everything works now. That's what I want. So we said, obviously, we all you know, want that in some fantastical kind of way, but life doesn't move that way. What's that? I was thinking of it politically <laughs> Right. 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 And that was where I was coming from. Right. Well, let me make. Right. Well, I want to make. I want to make your point sharper. It's not just totalitarian uh, societies. Us. We want control. We need it. We want it. We ask for it. It's where we feel the safest. It's. Rabbi Nachman is relating to that again in his in his true honesty. He is relating to that, and he's saying so. One option is to cry to freeze, I would say, go into a freezer and just say, okay, let's just hold everything as it is and just take small steps, right? The second option is what? To laugh, to be amused by this because it's not going to change. This is reality. This is the way it is. So let's play a game. Let's play a game of it. The dreidel is an existential game. It's a very deep existential game. It's a game that represents our existential state and let's be children, right? Let's play. Let's flow with it. Let's be in touch instead of fighting and spending a lot of energy <clears throat> crushing down the Samich element of life. Let's just go with it because anyways, it's moving. Whether I ask it to move or not, it happens, right? So that's Rav Nachman. Uh, like we said, and we, we, we delved into this yesterday, the Hasidut, and I'm glad to be saying this again. It's going to come up again tomorrow probably also. Hasidut, one of the things I think that's so unique to Hasidut is the fact that the first thing it is, is honest. There's the truth we believe in and want to believe in. We don't always, are not always able to believe what we want to believe in, but we're trying very hard, right? We believe and there's our honest uh, feelings. Let's put them both out on the table and now let's see what happens. Sometimes there's a real dissonance and then we have to try and uh, gap the dissonance. And that's what a lot of the teachings try and do. And sometimes they go together, which is so beautiful. It's so miraculous. It's so pleasant. It's so wonderful. But it doesn't always work that way, right? The Rebbes are so sharp in that way. They just, you read them and oh, it's just, wow. What honesty. So beautiful. So amazing. Pashute air. <laughs> Oxygen. It's wonderful. So anyways, so we're going we're gonna to have again today, like yesterday, two Chivruta periods. It, um, in the beginning of the first one, I would like us to spin the dreidel and just have a little bit of a, a taste of that with our learning in the background. You'll see. So, so we're continuing. So we are, at, like I said yesterday, we're still in the process of collecting characterizations uh, of the idea of home, what it means to be at home. In, in a sense, we're still in the introduction. Um, what we 
have come to understand so far, I think very clearly, is that home is not just a, a physical place, an architectural structure, right? Home is a mental space that has real connection to who you are and to what you are at the moment. So we're continuing. We're looking for new aspects, more aspects, additional aspects to what it means to be at home. We're moving to our next source, and that is uh, Tehilim Lamed. Where's my... Um, you have it um, on the first page. I said, the f- I told, I said yesterday, the first page is, uh, has Hebrew and English together. It's the only page that has Hebrew and English together. The rest is separate, in two separate uh, packets that you have. So, Mizmor Arba, Mizmor Lamed, Sefer Tehilim. A wonderful, wonderful, wonderful Mizmor. Um, we pass, we say it every day in the opening of Psukei de Zimra, in the Tefillah, when we daven. Uh, we say it every day. We don't necessarily always hear what it's actually saying. Uh, I just want to say here before we read it, and you're going to be reading it first uh, in Chevruta. Uh, this Mizmor was written by King David, David Melech to be said, according to Parshanim, according to Rashi, on the Hanukkah Habayit, the dedication, the inauguration, right, the founding of the first temple of Bet HaMikdash HaRishon that's about to be built by his son, Shlomo. Today we say this, this, is a so- this is a song or a psalm of dedication, of inauguration, of opening. Okay? Uh, today we say this mizmo bemet as a dedication of the day as a chanicha of the day. Chanukah, the name of Chanukah, comes from the word lachnuch, to dedicate, right? Um, to re- re-inaugurate. I'm using that word. I'm not sure I know that I'm using it correctly. <laughs> Can you say inaugurate? Well, what does it actually mean, slicha? Because in the dictionary it's a... Sorry, I'm Israeli. To start something. To start, so it's like dedication? What's, is there a difference between the two? Uh, but it has a time dimension. In other words, inaugurating... Okay. Inaugurating the class. Yesterday we inaugurated. Ah, okay. So they're both valid. Programs, right? Okay. But that has a formal aspect to it. It's not just beginning. The inauguration? Inauguration. Okay. So I would say let's put the two together, put them like in a hand blender, and the two of them together are sort of what we're saying, I would say. Right, not the dedication, the seda. Okay, I think I get it. So we're blending them together. I think they're both uh, applicable here. Has it? Has a it has a kedusha to it. Okay, nachon, nachon. No, no, no. Lachtir is to make a king kaf kaf like chinuch, education. Ah, no, I mean, it could, it's in the same story, but it's not the same. So, by the way, dedication and education are very much connected in Hebrew, etc. We won't get into that now. Okay, so we say this every morning when we do a chanicha, a chinuch of the day, a dedication, an inauguration of, uh, of the day, because the day is a new beginning with new possibilities in it. There's a minhag actually to say this mizmo when you do a Hanukkah bait mamish. I mean when you build a new home and you and you do a Hanukkah bait like a house um, warming. 
It's interesting that it's warming and not colding. <laughs> it makes sense. It's like a, again, it's a, um, you say this mismo when you do a Hanukkah bite. And of course, you say this mismo um, on Hanukkah. It's the, shir, it's the shir shel yom, I would say, of Hanukkah. And I want to say there's a minhag. I don't know if people here looking around the room, most people see Ashkenazim. So uh, probably most people here don't say this, but Sfaradim and Hasidim say this mismo while lighting Hanukkah candles. Does anyone here do it? No one? No one. Okay, we do it at home. We took it on. Totally recommended. Why, why is it so recommended? Because... It's not an art school. Okay. So that, that makes sense. It's like to say that in the Chag of the Bait, the home, a man, a person, Adam, Madlik Ner Babait, lights a candle in his home and tells his Beito, his home, meaning his family, Mazebait, what is Bait, which is the content of this Mizmo. Okay, so we're going to, this is the opening of the Mizmo, as you see, is Mizmo Shir Chanukat Bait. What is Bait? This is it. So I want. So we're going to go into our first chivruta for today. I want you to read. We're go, only going to be reading this mizmor. I want you to read it uh, quietly with nachat, not to rush through it, and try and get a sense from uh, your reading. What is home in this mizmor? Right. We have already. We started filling up our bags yesterday with different characterizations of home. What does home mean according to this uh, this mizmor? This is the mizmor of home in our uh, in our masoret. What is it about? So we'll take, um, let me think. We will take, let's take, let's start with 25 minutes and uh, we'll see how, how far along we are. And the dreidels. They're not enough for everyone, but just a little. You want to give them? Zot Hanukkah. Today? Zot Hanukkah. Zot means this. It's because of the Kriya, the Kriya Torah that you say today is Zot Chanukat Abayit. So, uh, Zot, Chanukah, uh, Zot Chanukat Amizbeach. <laughs> Sorry. That's why it's called Zot Chanukah. Hi. <laughs> Okay, can you hear me? So let's. Uh, okay, let's. Uh, I know some of you are in the middle. We're going to have another Chavruta session later. Um, so sh- let's uh, get together. Tov. So we are continuing. We're trying to collect, to find, to locate. Uh, more characterizations of what it means to, of what is home, what it means to be at home, what is home. So, I want to start with hearing you. What, what did you find here? What, what is home in this mismo? What does it mean to be at home? What is home about? Ken, uh, just remind me your name. Ken. Ech? Tova. What's that? A place of feeling. Ah, healing or feeling? Healing. healing. Hey, okay. Yafe, Od. Name, just say name. Tamar. Tamar. Um, I think I'm Sedania 
So just say what shalva is in English. Or tranquility, quiet. So it's a place of shalva. Yefe, od, ken, name? Mali. You're going back to our cyclical motion that even if I'm in the pit, I know, I know that there's beyond the pit. We're actually, a different people here mentioned, and I hope we'll have time to get into it, I'm not sure we will, that Yosef is very much hinted here in the Mizmol, uh, not just with the pit, in different places. If we have time, we'll get to it. It's not for no reason that the Mizmol Shel Chanukah Tabayit David is, is set on Chanukah, is associated with Chanukah, and our, par- our Parashat Shavua deals with Yosef, right? We're gonna, it's all connected, Kamuvan, Ken? Just your name first? Rachel. Rachel. Okay. Um, it added all kinds of prayer. Home is a place of prayer. So it's also, there's supplication and praise and Yefe. Um, gratitude. Yefe. Yefe. Ken, Susan. Ken. Could, could you say that home is a place where you can also experience the despair and the fear that the psalmist is talking about? Yefe. Yes. You can. <laughs> yes. And God is big enough. Yes. Yes, we're going to go there. Ken, Ken, Od, Ken. Oh, um, my name is Ellie. I'm Ellie. Just hinting at the fact that home is also a place of where there's a simultaneous dependence and independence, where he's reliant on Hashem at the same time to heal him, at the same time as he refers to Hashem as his helper. So there's this concept of like self-reliance and tasks that he's undertaking on his own at the same time, and he recognizes, okay, I also need like this bolster of support alongside me, so I think it's being able to extend beyond yourself at the same time as inflecting within and seeing what type of transformation in this sort of simultaneity bring back. Beautiful. Nachon. Nachon. Od. Od. Ken Allegra. Hi. Um, this is embedded in something that everybody else has talked about, which is communication and relationship, and that without that it sort of it would just be a doll on a shelf but that there's a real responsiveness we don't always get what we want in the time that we want it but there is a listening and sometimes things are provided that we don't ask for excellent beautiful Ken I'm going back to your summer yeah there are so many lines in here where when he's in a bad place he says I said in my security I shall never be moved so he can't be moved there but then when he gets help I'm going to turn my morning into dancing, not happiness, but dancing, which is movement. <laughs> and yes, then that did loose, loose my sackcloth, my sackcloth was loose, so I can move, so I can be in that sound that you're talking about. Yes, that's nice, Ken, and then maybe we'll continue. Yes, uh, it's, it's just your name? Oh, Simon, it's Simon. where you get hugged and healed. Hugged and healed. Yes, sir. Uh, so, one more. <laughs> Place that you can be safe to ask difficult questions and, and not be taken. Excellent, excellent. Nehedal, everything you said is so true. Nachon. One more. Okay, just remind us you're in Ariel. Ken.
where you can mourn. Nahon, true. Mamash, true. It goes very much actually with what said. You didn't change the tone at all. So Dan, it's a place of possibility. And I think that in terms of the theme of Hanukkah and the Sabbath, that there's weeping at night, but there's the possibility of joy in the morning. We don't always see it when we're right. weeping. Right. But home is a place of great possibility. So I'm, I'm going to, again, take everything that you said. Everything you, that you said is beautiful and I think is true and I think is really present here. And in a way, you're reflecting uh, what a lot of the Rebbe's who read this Torah say. I think, to put it uh, in a general way, I think really this Mizmo is um, describing a person's existential journey in life in general. And it's a, it's a stormy changing, turbulent, dramatic journey. Emotionally, it's very intense. Again, I go up, I go down, I am protected, I am exposed, I am safe, I am uh, afraid, right? Think about it. This is actually very, very surprising. This is very surprising. Here we are dedicating, inaugurating our home, the home. This is actually written, like we said, for Hanukkah Tabayit Rishon. Yes. Both. Both. That's the idea. That's exactly the idea. They're they're uh, they're identical. They're identical in our. That's sort of what we were saying. That we we inaugurate the morning, we inaugurate the day, we inaugurate our own bite, meaning who we are today. Nachon. This is a song that was uh, written to be uh, composed to be said in the Chanukat Habayit, the bite, the first temple. Try and imagine today. Let's say. Let's say we are doing a Chanukat Beta Migdash. So hundreds of thousands of people are coming and we expect to hear, you know, these very strong Obama-like type sermons and someone stands and says this. It's actually very surprising. You would expect to hear different things said at such a moment. This is not something you would expect to hear at a moment of great, dramatic, you know, celebration. What is going on here? What is this Mismo actually saying? I'm going back to honesty. Like I said before, uh, what is going on here? When we think of home, don't we usually think about a static place? A place that doesn't change? That has no movement in it? A place that you find in it, I want to say it even more, to exact it more, a place that you find in it security or comfort, okay? because dafka, because things don't change in it? Isn't that usually the image that we have in our heads about home? Think about it. I, I don't know if there are people here who are who know Israeli uh, pop culture. There's a known song. This is for in the dinosaur period, yeah, like 20 years ago, uh, of um, uh, a singer called Doron Mazar, who had this very popular song in Israel. Do you know this song? I'm going back. It's a song. It's very very simplistic, but I just want to use it as an example. This is like the Hollywood way of looking at things. I'm in a plane, this person is singing, he's in turbulence, he's stormy, everything's, sh- he has no anchor, he has nowhere, he doesn't know where he belongs, he has no grounding, but you, ah, you're unmoving, you're untouched, you're unchanging, you are exactly as it needs to be, right? No movement at all with you, I am here and you are there. I want to say that usually... Our image of home, I think Bemet is very much influenced by Hollywood. I don't mean Hollywood, just Hollywood. I mean as a metaphor. 
I am going through all these storms. A lot is happening to me, right? I'm going through ups and downs. I'm, I'm up, I'm down, I'm exposed, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm covered, I'm safe, I'm threatened. All these things are happening to me. And here is home. Safe, unchanging, unmoving, static. There's me and there's home. And I am continuously trying to fit myself into this image of what home is. Ken, in the world of Hasidut, it's never viewed that way. It's never viewed that way. Home is me. First of all, home is me. I am the home. I am inaugurating. I have an opportunity, a possibility, like Diane said, to inaugurate my image, my sense, my understanding of what home is today. Will it actually fit the images that I would like it to fit? Maybe. Maybe not. But I have the day to check it out, right? <laughs> to find out this uh, possibility. Like I said yesterday, in the world of Hasidut, and this is such a central motif I think that uh, I mentioned yesterday I'll probably mention it again tomorrow we are not in the world of Hasidut at least that we're learning here which is I would say mostly in the spirit of Pshischa Ishbitz Kotz Karadzin we do not talk about result we talk about movement we don't talk about the Totsa'ah we talk about the Tnu'ah we want a good Totsa'ah we want a good result of course we want a good result no one here lives in a in a non-realistic world this is a world of results definitely the modern Western world is all about uh, is all result oriented. Meaning, if I did something and it worked well, I go back in my head. Think about it. I go back in my head and I do a checklist. Yes, v v v on everything that led to this moment because it worked. And if I like getting a job or uh, uh, getting a good grade on a test or whatever, if I did not get a good result, if I was not accepted for the job or did not get a good. Uh, uh, grade on my test, I go back and I go X, 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 X on everything that led to that moment because it must have been not good. It doesn't work that way in Hasidut. It doesn't work that way. Result is very important, but that's a different conversation. And it involves another party in this conversation, and that's the Kadosh Baruch Hu. His plan. Ken, we, our job is the movement. It's to focus on the movement, on the Tnu'ah. This is our story. Ken? This is our story, the story of the movement. This mizmor is mamash, the mizmor of movement. Just like Chanukah is the Chag of movement. Being in contact with light is what allows me to move. Being in contact with my own light is what allows me to believe in possibility, which is movement. Possibility is belief in movement. Or I would say belief in movement is belief in possibility. Like we said yesterday, I don't know what, tomor- I don't know what tomorrow will bring, but I believe in the possibility that it can bring good things. It might not, again, because we don't know, but we believe that it can. That's the idea here. I just want to finish this mahalach, uh, and then we'll open it up. So, um, so Bait, and this... Uh, uh, I'm sorry, I just want to say one more thing before about this image thing, this Hollywoody conception, conception of things. I want to say that I think that type of thinking... I don't know how you say it. it imminently carries within it a lot of potential for, for failure. Um, disappointment, failure, anger, bitterness. And with that, of course, uh, a whole uh, not happy relationship develops in relation to the home, to my idea of home. So the Redas in Hasidut will we'll be learning uh, uh, learnings on this Mizmo. Don't view it that way at all. Really don't, and in, the, in that way, I think they actually undermine the classic, again, uh, Western image of what home is. And by that, they open a whole new field of uh, possibility for us. 
כן? It's very, very, very special, I think. So this bite and this mizmor is a real general name for the general um, uh, all-encompassing journey a person goes through in life. This journey is described here in a very intense uh, capsule. כן? Uh, I'll read just a few פסוקים. בערב ילין בכי ובבוקר רינה. Right? At night, I, I, I'm going to sleep crying. ילין, from לינה, sleeping. And in the morning, I'm joyful. I say uh, praise, I sing. הפכתם מספדי למחולי. I've been in a mourning, right? Like Ariel said, it's a place where I can mourn in the positive sense too. הפכתם מספדי למחולי. I can dance now. פיתחת שקי ותעזרי לי שמחה. I'm taking off my mourning clothes. ותעזרי לי שמחה. You fill me up with uh, joy. Okay? And I want to just say, my assumption is, and again, I'm, I'm basing myself on Rebbe's who read this mizmor, with the Hasidic uh, eye, that if at night I went to sleep crying, and in the morning I woke up with joy, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not describing one day in my reality that I went to sleep crying, and from now on, no crying at all. Zeu, I finished that issue. From today on, only dancing hora. No, it's clear that he's describing again, he's giving an existential, um, uh, how do you say, um, Tell us a, a look, a view into our reality. It's clear that if you went to sleep one night crying and you wake up joyful, he's describing the state of being of men. There, and we know this. There are times we can go to sleep crying or alapanim, as we say in Hebrew, you know, on the face. I'm uh, translating that literally. And in the morning, everything's okay, more or less. Or oh, everything's okay, bemet. Or vice versa, biduyuk, biduyuk. Um, so we're going to be, this is, like I said before, this is part of the cyclical motion of the letter Samich, of our letter, of Somech Noflim, the letter of our, of our month of uh, Kislev. It's not for no reason that this Mizmo is the Mizmo of Samich. It is a real, I think, a beautiful description, uh, understanding, a spreading out of the idea of what Samich is. What is home? Maze Samich. Comments, and then we're we're continuing. Ken. Relation and I would say perspective. You're not the only you're not the only one in the picture. Yeah, we're going to talk about that uh, also. Ken, uh, Tova, no, uh, Mali. יפה, that's a nice דרשנות, יפה. ג'ודי?
נכון. יפה, זה כמו שאתה אמרת אתמול, על הקונטרול. נכון. כן, טוב, we're going to go deeper into that tomorrow. Result versus movement. Yeah, Ken. We are, yes, yes, yes. נכון, נכון. The next Torah that we're going to be doing in Chivruta touches a little bit on the entry into Tevet, but we're not going to go into that deeply. We don't have time. אבל there's so much to say about that. Yes, Tevet is a very different month, אבל like I made a picture here of the death part in me, the sleep part in me, moving into the light part in me, and the light part into me moving. Kislev and Tevet have that same relationship that Chanukah does. If you want to look, you can open the Bnei Saschar, and he writes about that beautifully. What's the connection of Tevet to Chanukah? <laughs> yeah, we're not going to get into it deeply here. You'll see a, a little touch of that in the, the next source. Ken. I'm, I'm very depressed by the phrase Ad Me'abashri. Uh, first of all, the word Ad feels like it's defining uh, the end of a process. Do Hasidim have a better thing to say? <laughs> you mean a phrase as a bracha for Arichut Yamim? Well, let me tell you what Hasidim say to each other, which is very much Hanukkah teaching. We're going to get into it. I said before, yesterday, I said the Hanukkah is the Chag of dreams, right? Kislev is the month of dreams, just like all our Parshiyot Shavua deals with dreams, Yaakov, Yosef, etc. When Hasidim greet each other, or actually when they say goodbye to each other, they bless each other that you should have a Hasidish Echaloimis. You should have Hasidish dreams. which is exactly the idea of the Samech. Because wherever you are, you should not disconnect f- from your idea of dreams. Dreams doesn't mean the achievement I want to... It doesn't mean the Harvard thing that Judy said. It means knowing that there's a beyond me that I don't see in my, uh, with my eyes now. That's the fixing of the eyes, which we want to get to. Ken, last thing, and then uh, Ken, Andrew... I should have known not to, uh, uh, not to point to you to ask your question because it's a, uh, there's a lot to say about that I think it's again in Hasidut Shalva is viewed differently than 
our Hollywood image of Shalva. Hollywood, I'm, I, I apologize to Hollywood. I'm only using this as a metaphor. I think, you, I hope you understand. Like our set, you know, kind of pretty images. Hallmark. Hallmark. Okay, whatever. Call it whatever. Uh. Okay. Okay. No, because I'm thinking maybe you're here being Israeli. I'm, I'm not sure that my associations are your associations culturally. So I hope I'm. It's falling on the right, on the ear in the right way. Uh, Shalva is a very deep concept in Hasidut. Uh, here in this mizmor, I'll just say on the pshat, there's a we're we're being exposed to the journey that David Melech himself himself went through. In his immature state, he really thought that when things went well for him, when Baboker Amarti when I was in the Bokel state, the the alive state, the the awake state, I thought just like Judy said before, I'm in control. I'm never going to fall. Right? Everything seems to be in place. Everything's working well. That was very immature of me because then I fell, and I understand that it doesn't work that way. So it's it's uh, the shalva is the real recognition. <laughs> of the movement. We're not going to get into that. I want to go on, Birshutchem. I want to go on. So why do we say this Mizmo on Chanukah? So, I mean, we've said this, but I want to go deeper into it. So first of all, we have the meta tradition that David HaMelech said this Mizmo in the spirit of Chanukah. And we're going to read about this soon. What does this mean? The meaning is, first of all, that uh, we really do a Chanukah Bait, not just of the Third Temple, that's to be uh, built, but of ourselves, right? We are inaugurating, we are dedicating our own home every year. Mechadash, hazman mazmin hazmana. If you remember from yesterday, time invites opportunity, but often meyuchad in a special way, in a unique way, in this month or in the month that we just uh, closed the door on, the month of Kislev. Areni muhanu mezuman. I would say, I am making myself mezuman, uh, invited open, present, to go on this journey, on this clarification of what is bait. Maze bait, maze chanukah, mani chonech, what am I dedicating? And how is all this connected uh, to me? So here we're beginning to go a little bit deeper because until now we spoke about bait, right? Now I want to start talking about chanukah and connecting, uh, connecting the two. What happens to us when we light uh, chanukah candles within the home? Why is it so important Halachically, like we said yesterday, that we light candles dafka from the home, dafka in relation to home. And why is it forbidden to light Hanukkah candles not from home? Mamash asur. Is it asur or is it just because of the prohibition? No, it's asur. So why are we doing that here? Don't ask me. <laughs> so here we are beginning to get into... No, you can do it, Avale. I'm, I'm sorry, I'll take it back. In the Hasidic eye, it's, uh, in the Hasidic readings, it's ta'ut, ta'ut, ta'ut. You, you, you may not, you are not supposed to be lighting candles outside of home. Home, doesn't, home can also mean the idea of home. I didn't want to get into this, but let me, I'll give a little example. Like the Chabad menorot in the streets. So, so in, in the Hasidic understanding, it's, imagine that there's a, a transparent, unseen... No, electric cord going from the menorah in the middle of uh, Columbus Square or whatever, going all the way to Brooklyn to 770 and plug there. Okay? It's connected to the idea of home. It's connected to an understanding of what home is. But you don't just do it with no connection to the idea of home. I won't say more about it. 
okay. Do you want to continue? Yes, can I? Yes, absolutely. Is it urgent or? Okay. So, um, okay. So we're, we're entering the world of Hasidut. So as an opening, entering again. So as an opening, I wanted to, I, I thought to um, begin with um, focusing on a word that could, uh, I think, be a good aid for us in, uh, in the learning that we're going to be doing. It's a good springboard to the different teachings we're going to be learning. And that's the name of this month, uh, the, main, the name of the month that just ended, Kislev. Uh, the truth is that the names of our months are actually Babylonian names. They're not Hebrew names. Um, but still, Chazal, uh, I would say, converted them. And Darshutam, they really learned uh, the names as if they were Hebrew names. We're going to be learning the word Kislev in two different ways, both actually say the same thing in the bottom line. They're both uh, based on Torot, on teachings of the Bnei Saskar uh, that I mentioned before uh, that deals with all the different signs of the month. I just want to say Bnei Saskar, Melech Shapira, Avdinov, and Munkach, a very, very special Rebbe. He wrote a lot. He wrote more than 15 books. Uh, I'm relating to one of them here, the Bnei Saskar. He was a nephew of Rabbi Limelech of Lijansk and his brother Reb Zusha of Hanipoli, if anyone uh, heard of them here. Um, and the reason, by the way, why he stopped being the Rebbe in Munkach and went back to Dino, it's a very interesting story, is because he, he came out with a psak. He was a big posek. He was a, re- a Rebbe of a town as a posek. And he came out with a psak where he... Okay, I'm not sure I, I know how to say this in English. Huasar al pitum avazim. He forbade... Forbade? Forbid... To, to Ken, to um, force feed geese. Apparently, it was a very big uh, form of parnasa for Jews, geese or goose, geese in plural. So he he, um, he uh, apparently was a big uh, source of parnasa. A lot of balebatim in uh, in Dinov uh, had geese and force fed them, and right as a madan, as a delicatessen, and um, and he came out with a psak because of Tsar Balei Chaim. How do you say Tsar Balei Chaim? Tsar Balei Chaim. Now you understand, right? Tsar Balei Chaim. What? Okay, so how do you say Tsar Balei Chaim? Out of mercy for animals. Yes, yes. So he came out with a psak, which is a very daring psak. It already shows what a courageous man he was. What's that? Reb Tzvi Elimelech Shapira of Dinov. Actually, his original name was Langzim. Yes. Yes, it's in. The, it's written in the source. Yes. Anyways. Um, no, different one. Yes. Um, that's Kaloni Muskalman, the Piazzetzne Rebbe. I just want to say that, uh, just as a little footnote, it's an anecdote, but the, he gave out this psak, and basically he was forced out of Dinov uh, by the Balebatim. They out, and he went back to Munkach. Um, why am I mentioning this? Not just to make us angry at the Balebatim. I just want to say that... Um, Sometimes we, we think, I don't know, it's just a little anecdote, but sometimes we think, I don't know, in Israel I feel like it's a very heavy topic. Sometimes we feel like something about this generation, there's a lot of uh, not so nice stuff 
related to Rabbanut and to, you know, Rabbanut, I mean, to the rabbinate, etc. I just want to say these things have always been around, right? Like here, in this case, Balehon, that are connected close to the plate. Uh, how do you say Balehon? Like the wealthy people who are involved with the... It's always been around, and I feel like we need to have a little bit of an attitude of Rabbi Nachman, which is amusement also, you know, perspective. Have some humor about these things also. Not like to think that our generation, everything's collapsing. These things always... Uh, we're always also in the background. Uh, he was a very, very special person. And as you can see, he had a lot of courage. Um, very special person. Anyways, so, okay. So we're learning based on teachings of uh, uh, the Bnei Saschal. So I want to bring these two teachings. Kislev. We're going to be learning them out soon in Chivutot, but I want to start together. Kislev, the name of the month, right? Kislev. Okay, so the first understanding is Kislev, is Kes Lev. I'm gonna, this is number one. Kes Lev. Lev with a Vet and not with a Vav. You don't have to be uh, alarmed. This happens sometimes in Chasidut, in Darshanut, that letters are switched. Kes Lev. Kislev, Kes Lev. What does this mean? Kes comes from the word what? What does it come? Kiseh, chair. Nachon, kes is, a, is actually a throne. It's a kiseh of a king. Kiseh is a, a holding ground, a holding space, a, a place that, <coughs> a container that holds whatever it is that's in it. What other words in Hebrew do we know that have the same inner root, kaf and samich? Kis, pocket, same idea. It's, it's a definition, not its, def- its definition is that it's a container for something that goes into it. What other word in Hebrew? Kos, cup. Same idea. Cup, pocket, throne, they're all the same idea. They're, they're a, a container to hold whatever comes into it. Ken? In English, um, aside from the conventional meaning that we know for burial, a casket was kept for things of treasures were kept in a casket. Huh. Which is very, huh. Yes, I know. I'm just uh, like this. Like this. Um, yes, sir? Who knows? That's really not my department, the English. Uh, possibly. So, kes, uh, a throne, a grounding place, a grounding place for whatever is in it, uh, meaning bite in the most uh, pshat, simplistic, concrete sense. In Hebrew, I would, I would call it, you know, airports, before they were called zdotufa in Hebrew, zdotufa was called minchat tufa, mincha from the word menucha, rest, a resting place, a grounding place, a grounding mincha, menucha, rest, for the tufa, for the flight. Flight is the second part of the word, lev. The beyondness in me, like, uh, I'm going back to the word that we used from the kotzkel yesterday, right? That part within me that goes beyond. Um, this is actually what happens to us when we light candles. This is the part that we connect to, this is what happens, our connection to the lev, to the internal right, to, to uh, whatever is beyond, meaning in Hasidut, this is the real meaning of home. <laughs> to really, really be at home is to connect to this part. So kes lev is to have a bite, a concrete bite for the bite, the real bite, which is this. Do you understand? This alone is just a concrete vessel. It's just a cup or a pocket or a chair, right? The idea is uh, its, its imminence is in what it holds. This alone is not good. It needs a container. 
We're going to talk about this, this holy um, dance between these two forces is really the story of Hanukkah. It's a holy balance. We're going to get into that uh, uh, as we go along. So, can... Is that love the same as the, as the heart? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I didn't, I'm sorry, I didn't say that. It's obvious. Licha. Lev is heart in Hebrew. Licha. Uh, so... There is an English expression that home is where the heart is. Uh-huh. Yafeh. Yafeh. That's like the Yafeh. So, concrete home... For the, for the inner home, for the inside home, kes lelev. That's number one. Number two, kislev, is kes. Kes. We're going back to the real uh, writing of the word. Kes lamedvav. Kes comes from the word. There's another meaning in Hebrew for kes. Anyone know? What does kes mean? What, what word comes from uh, the root of lechasot, kisui. Kisui is covering. Yefe. Um, uh, covering or hiding, storing, putting away, hastara, ken, ke, or kes, there's another meaning for kes in Hebrew, and that's kesel. Kesel means tikva, hope. Uh, it's associated in the Tanakh with, with hope for rain, ken, security. This is a different aspect of what we're talking about. I'm going back to the fixing of the eyes. There's something that's around for me, uh, hope. Even if I don't see it with my eyes, we're going to go into that further uh, today and tomorrow. That's kiss. And what's lamed vav? Lo. Lo, right? And, and more. Now look at... Ma? 36. So 36, meaning lamed vav is a known um, numerical number in, uh, in our tradition. Lamed vav. What's what, 36? What do we know about lamed vav? Lamed vav tzadikim. The 36 uh, tzadikim that uh, will be receiving the hidden light, right, in days to come. That's a Lamed Vav that, that we know, but that's not what I'm referring to. What, that, what other Lamed Vav do we know? Ma? Twice high? Yafeh? But no? What other? Yafeh. Okay, so first I want to ask before we get to that. Does anyone here know? Tov, I already gave the, I already gave the answer. No, no, I'm not good at telling uh, riddles. I'm not good at telling riddles. How many masachtot, how many tractates from the Mishnah appear in the Gemara? Yes, 36. They're actually 63. In the ch- it's a change of uh, numbers. They're actually actually 63 masachtot in the Mishnah. Only 36 of them appear in the Gemara. I said yesterday the Chanukah is the Chag of Torah Peh. We're going to get into that. Uh, something special happens on Hanukkah when you connect to the light. Pitom, you see all kinds of hidden things that uh, come up. Uh, we're going to get to that. Uh, 36. More Lamedvav. That's also not what I'm referring to now. Other Lamedvavs. Ma? We said that. More. Right. And what's common to them is that they're hidden. This is all the Nyan of hitting. Kisui. What other Lamedvav? And not that I know. Aval, if yes, that's also not what I mean. <laughs> Ma, you know, Andrew? We said that. Um, okay, so let me tell you. So, Lamed Vav is actually the 36 first hours uh, since the creation of Adam Arishon, Adam, until the Oraganus, the hidden light, was taken away from him. I want to explain. I, this is based on a very known Midrash. 
uh, we have a very uh, strong known tradition about the Oraganuz, the hidden light, uh, right? The, the Kadosh Baruch who created his world with a very, very unique, special light, not the light that we know today. The light that we know today, this light that we see now, is not the original light. This is Ora Meorot, <laughs> Ken, uh, the lum- luminary light. Uh, the original light that the Kadosh Baruch who created the world when was the Ora Ganuz, was the hidden light. Uh, it was so strong. It had such intense quality to it. It was so powerful. It shined so brightly. It was so transparent, the light. You could even see internally into everything. It was like walking in an X-rayed world where you see the root of the root of everything that, you come in, that your eyes come in contact with. Can you look at someone and you see down to his, the bone of his bone of his soul? Can misofa olam ve'atsofo, as the midrash says, it's hard to imagine a vision like that. So the first original light that God created the world with was so strong, so shining that God decided to lignoz, to conceal it, to hide it, to store it for the future, for the righteous, for the tzaddikim. Uh, who will be able to stand with that kind of light and not fall apart from it. This is very important because this brings us back to the halachic exactness around the hadlakah of the ner, the lighting of the ner. This light, this hidden light, if it will shine on something that cannot hold its, uh, its koach, its strength, what will happen to the vessel? It will shatter, right? If anyone here is familiar with the myth that the Ari uh, came, uh, spoke of about the creation of the world. It's this image exactly, right? The world will shatter if the light coming down to it, right? The cup will shatter, the pocket will fall apart, right? The throne will collapse if, uh, if there's no balance between, if, if the container cannot hold uh, the content of what it's holding. Nachon? Um, we're going to get to that also. So we're going to really realize, and we're going to get to this, I think, further tomorrow, that this is the central theme of Chanukah. A person is invited, required, on Chanukah to come in contact with his own light, with the idea of light, with the possibility of lighting, with the idea of light in the world, in such a way that he could actually contain it, that he can hold it. That's why the halachot are so strict. Ken? He has to create a kiss for himself, a kiss, a holding ground, a pocket, a throne, a container to hold, uh, to hold all, the, all the places he gets to when, when he's in a state of flight, when he's connected to his live, when he's lighting candles. Can these are all metaphors for this, uh, for this uh, state of being. So, okay, so 36, I'm going back to it. So on one hand, and I'm going to stay with me because I'm going into some mathematical calculations here. 36 on one hand is the calculation of a person being at home in the hidden light, right? 24 hours of Shabbat plus the 12 hours of Friday when he was created. 24 plus 12 is 36. Motzei Shabbat, as the Midrash tells us. This is not even a Kabbalah. This is a Midrash, right? On Bereshit. Uh, Motzei Shabbat, the light is taken away, right? This is the Zman. How do we call this Zman? Havdalah. This is, this is why we do Havdalah. This is Havdalah. Havdalah, eh, how do you say Havdalah in English? What? No, I mean the word Havdalah, separation. Separation between Havdalah ben Or lechoshech, nechon? Between light and darkness. What happens according to the Midrash at this moment, which is why we do Havdalah? Man 
experience, Adam Rishon, experienced complete darkness, right? The light, the Oraganus was taken away from him. He, was, he sat in complete darkness. He thought he was going to die. How is he going to exist? How will he live in complete darkness after he's been in the light, right? He's completely helpless and hopeless. And then he starts, what does the Midrash tell us? He starts, um, he starts, um, yes, he starts rubbing two stones. Just he's sitting and he's picking up two stones and he's rubbing two stones. And what happens? Sparks. Sparks come out. That's what the Midrash tell, tell, tells us, right? Gitzim, nitzotzot, sparks. The beginning of the lev, of the lamed vav, ken? the heart, the ner, the or. The light. He's starting and, and sparks come out and he, he can breathe again. Wow, I can actually live in this world, right? I, 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 there's some light for me. I can exist here. I, I want to just say, this is, this is developed so deeply in the in Sifrut Asod, in the world of uh, uh, you know, our mystical uh, texts. I'm not going to get deeply into it also because I don't understand in it uh, a lot. But, um, we actually learned that the 36 hours... Are, are, uh, there's a drash, a very <laughs> interesting drash, that the 36 hours are present in the pasuk, in the revach, in the gap between yehi or to vayhi o. Vayomer Hashem yehi o, vayhi o. And God said, let there be light. That's the original light, the oleganus. Vayhi o is 36 hours later. Vayhi is after. Ken vav of after. Um, okay, so that's another 36. But that's also not what I want to talk about now. What other 36 do we know? The most immediate 36, you said it before, Sharon. The candles. The, candles, the number of candles that we light on Hanukkah is 36. If you think about it, without the shamash, the first day we light one, the second day we light two, two plus one, three, three plus two plus one, together, all the eight days of Hanukkah is 36 candles. Besedel? Every time, let me put it like graphically, a little bit uh, in a funny way. Every time that we light a candle on Hanukkah, every candle that we light is ke'ilu. It's as if a representation, a symbolic representation of one unit of all ganus in the world. Nachon, 36 candles, 36 hours. The 36 hours of the all ganus. That's the Hanukkah candles that we, that we light why is this important? Why did I get into this whole mathematical... I'm really not into... Like, I don't, on one hand, I think, it's, who cares? Mathematical uh, calculations. Why, why is it so important? I hope it's clear. The inyan here, the issue here, is that we are Adam Arishon. We are Adam Arishon. We are the first uh, person. How do you say Adam Arishon? Man? Wendy? Ma? The biblical Adam. We are the biblical Adam. Okay? In each one of us exists these 36 hours. This is so important to say and to say out loud. In each one of us, in, the, in this room, each one of us carries this unit called Lamed Vav. The 36 hours. Most of the year, I want to say, with the regular inertia of life, it's hidden. It's concealed. The ganuz, it's mustar, it's hidden from us. There are special times, zmanim meyuchadim, zimunim, opportunities, invitations, hazmanot, hizdamnuyot. We all said it's the same root in Hebrew. Opportunity, invitation, possibility, time. There are special times like Hanukkah, 
which is today is the last day, Ken, Zimunei Matana, I would say gift opportunities, uh, special, special opportunities where we have a glimpse, meaning a spark, uh, a, a connection uh, with uh, those, with that unit of 36 within us. We, we've learned here at Drisha, since I've been learn, you know, we've been learning here for years, actually many of the courses that we've done here over the years, we sort of go through the year, um, like what I was saying yesterday about the explanations of each time in the, in the approach that I learn in, in Hasidut, this motif of light comes up all the time. I'll just mention one, like Pesach, the light of Dikat Chametz comes from the same source, from the Lamed Vav, from the Oraganus, from the first 36 hours of uh, creation of man. Okay? Just think about it. Here I am doing Bdikat Chametz. You know, Chametz in Hasidut again, in the Hasidic eye, is not just the crumbs. It's really all those things that, all those stumbling blo- blocks, those things that won't allow me actually to be myself, meaning to come out of Egypt and be Be'emet free to really connect to my intuition and my authenticity, like we said yesterday, which is really the theme of Pesach, you actually think that you can get rid of your chametz that all year you have dealings with, right? All year I'm in struggle uh, with my chametz. You actually think that you could get rid of your chametz with fluorescence? With what? A fluorescent light? A fluorescent, sorry, a fluorescent light or with neon or other forms of uh, IKEA, you know, uh, vision, uh, light? No. You need light from a different place, from a different source. It has to come from a very different place, from a place of beyond that can actually have you see things differently because the light that comes from a place of beyond changes your vision. That's the tikkun enayim of kislev. That's the fixing of the eyes, which allows us to do a fixing of the sleep, like we said yesterday. Um, that's why, and I want to say one more thing in this when we finish at 12.30, right? Okay, good. Um, um, I want to say something very, very important in this, uh, in this regard. Hanukkah is the Zman when this light comes out, right, in full force, I would say more than any other time in the year, right? We have tastes of it on Shabbat, we have tastes of it in every Chag, but Hanukkah is really the time where there's, it's just coming out in full of force, this uh, potential of connecting to this idea of Olga news. Aval, what's so important, I think, to say here is that this light appears for me in my home. In my home. This is a real emphasis in halacha. Like we said yesterday, we read from the Gemara, ish uveito. Not just bait. It's in my bait. Beito. Do you understand? In my bait. It's not something that happens. My connection, my ability to connect to the organus, to the hidden light in me, it's not something that has to happen in the Armon, for instance, in the palace of the king, or in Bet Knesset, in the Shul, or in my rabbi's house, or in the tzaddik's house, or in the perfect person's house. I'm going back to the Hollywood visions we have, right? Like someone who's perfect, he must have the hidden light. It's in his house, it dwells there, because it's natural that it be there. No, that's a real, it's not just a mistake, it's going against the halacha. We light candles, we are invited to light ca- candles, to be in contact with this Olga news, to let this Olga news come out in, our, in my world, where? In my house. It comes to my house. Do you understand? This is so crucial. It doesn't matter what state this house is in. There could be many, many, many dishes in the sink, 
or a huge pile of laundry, which is probably what's waiting for me back home in Yerushalayim. Doesn't matter. It's not like the, this hidden light checks in the house. Ah, a lot of dishes in the sink. No, no, I'm coming back next year. No, it's totally irrelevant. This, this is so crucial. It goes back to our ideas, this image of perfection or result, orientation. No. I think even, I'm doing a little drash here, but this thing that, this, I, this custom that women do not work half an hour after lighting candles, I think it's a little bit, this is my own drash, I don't know if anyone, I don't know if this is a total, but I think it's, it's partly that idea. Whatever is, is. Yes, you don't. No, sit, connect to the light. There's an inyan to sit and look at the light half an hour. It's really saying whatever is, is. This is the reality. This is the reality, and in this reality, I come in contact with my old ganus. In this reality. So maybe my house is a total mess. Maybe there's so much noise and balagan going on in it. The old ganus comes to visit me there. Maybe my house is, is a very, very um, quiet house. Maybe there's a lot of loneliness in my house. Doesn't matter. It comes there. It comes to my house. It doesn't matter. Ken, it not only comes to places of balagan or noise, people children, lo, the Ola Ganus comes to every place where the, the, the match is, uh, is uh, lit and is struck and the candles are lit. This is so, I think, basic and so crucial, again, in the world of, uh, of Hasidut. It goes back to what I was saying yesterday about um, fantasies and reality. Again, I didn't use those words, about, but we were talking, the Ratsui and the Matsui, what I envision and what is well, we're going to get it even more deeply into this uh, later. Ken, just... Can, can. Uh, yes, that's what we're talking about. Yes. Inner house and how... I'm, I'm, they're equivalent uh, at this point. That's, that's, I think that's what the Mizmol gave us, the gift to understand that they're actually the same. Can uh, just your name? Adina. Bidiuk. Yeah, I, beautiful. I want to say, I, I think I uh, mentioned this yesterday, I'm not sure, that, that so we're not even getting into the whole idea of Petach. This is so deep in Hasidut. Petach, the Saf, it's called in Hebrew, the threshold, the division line between two states of consciousness, the in and the out. The inside of you and the outside of you, that's really where you come in contact with the old Ganuz. I want to say that there's a very nice Torah, I didn't put it here because I didn't think we would get to it, of Reb Nachman, uh, that he writes about um, that when you walk in the street and you see candles, let's say you walk in the shuk, right? There's a known diyun in halacha. You walk in the shuk and you see candles. Do you say a bracha or not? And Reb Nachman says that really you should be saying a bracha. Why? Because you're actually making space in you to accept that there's beauty in other people's uh, understandings of home, whatever they may be. It's very beautiful. We're not going to learn it, but it's very beautiful. It's a, it's a very beautiful... Um, you open yourself to the idea of beauty that's not necessarily your beauty also. We're going to learn a Torah of Nantivot Shalom who, who talks um, in such a sensitive, beautiful way. I, was, I wanted to do it today. I don't think we'll get to it today, but we're, we're going to do Chivruta on two other teachings today um, where he really talks, again, with such sensitivity about the fact that every person has his, his own home 
in the sense that it, it's not relevant to becoming... Let me just read this. Is, I have to read it. I didn't translate it, but I'll, I'll translate it. as a, I'm just going to read a little piece here uh, about Mizmor Shel Chanukat Abayit LeDavid. He says, The Netivot Shalom, the Rebbe of Slonim, Mitzvah Tachag, the Mitzvah of the Chag is Ner Ishu Veito. Right, like we said, man, a, a candle, person, and his home. Litakenet bedek beito to fix up. Um, oy, it, uh, Wendy, how do you say bedek beito? Okay, a maintenance of your home. Bedek from the word bdika, okay, uh, to fix, to to check, to look, to look. Love kol and pinchavim. Not all people are equal. Mashetzelechad nikra tikuna bait. What for someone, one person, is considered to be the fixing of the home, for his friend, is not at all considered a tikkun, a fixing. Right? Fixing is a relative term. You don't go to the store and say, can you get me a, a kit of fixing, of internal fixing? It doesn't work that way. Kol echad has his own bedakabait. It's individualized. Because you're always individual. Nachon? Um, a candle for each person. Why? Every single individual has a unique madrega, a unique status, place, space of tikkun abayit, a fixing of the bayit. That through this individual fixing, through the individual fixing of every person, his home becomes uh, uh, worthy, worthy to allow the Shekhinah to come in. Do you understand? Ashrat Shekhinah of my friend or my perfect, uh, I don't know, neighbor or the tzaddik or whatever. I'm not saying this in a... Ju- I'm just saying that's usually how our <laughs> minds work. The Ashrat Shekhinah there is not relevant to, to mine. That's why I, I don't like candles in their home. You could say, wow, they have such a deep connection to the Olganus. Let's all go to their house and light candles there. No, that's against the Halakha. You don't do that. The Halakha is you go to your own home with your own Bedeka Bait, whatever your Bait is, with the dishes or the loneliness or whatever it is, and you do your connection to the Olganus in your Bait, in your Madriga. Where you are. That's why even it's not, it, it's not relevant to, let's say, go to someone and say, hey, I think your bite needs a little fixing. It's just not relevant. I mean, you could say as a friend, I, 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 you know, that's a different thing. But I'm saying to come with that point of view of judgment. I know what the fixing of the house is and where you have to buy the material for it. It's just a mistake. It's, it's not relevant. It's just, I think he's, it's a very sensitive uh, understanding of the Netivot Shalom. I just want to finish this uh, part and then, ah, we must learn. Okay, I want to do the second Chevruta. So, so, okay, so the second part, just to sum up, Kislev is Kes Lamedvav, Kisui, a covering, a Gniza, a storing, a hiding, a boundaries, of Lamidvav, of the Ora Ganuz, of the light from beyond. Beseder? So I want to, I want to sort of close this um, unit of Kes and Lamidvav with, uh, by reading two teachings that will sum this up for us and open us, open the gate for the new step I want to go into. So I want to send you off to be learning. Where's the English? Um, to, to the.
two, uh, two teachings. One is the Bnei Safcha that we mentioned. This is just to sum this up nicely. Um, um, I'll tell you which one. Source number source number six and source number seven. that I mentioned now. Uh, and seven Repinchas Mikoritz that we learned yesterday about the aspect of sleep. What I want to ask you to do will take uh, not a long time. We'll take 20 minutes and then we'll try and close it together. Uh, read these Torot. You don't have to get deeply, deeply into every word. Just try and get the gist of what they're saying and what other gates are they opening to us uh, for the next step in terms of uh, the Kes uh, and the Lamid Vav. So let's get into it. Ah, okay. Ah, my English back. Oh, this. Thank you. Ah, your finger. No, no, toda. Okay, wh- one more minute, okay? We'll do one more minute. Ah, I wouldn't even get into it. Oh. It's his calculations on Tevet. We're right. not going there, Bichlal. If you're curious, you can open. They might have here Bnei Saschal. Okay. He has, you know, like 50 pages on Tevet where okay. he gets into that. Uh, yeah. So well, I guess we're trying to understand the, what he's trying to say about the, the connection into the next. Obviously, the kids live into Yeah, I wouldn't even. I, okay. I would just try and. Um, I, I think what I would like. Uh, to come up is how widespread this Lamed Vav element is, how it's such a central theme of Hanukkah. They're just bringing here other... other so, uh, like this, so do, do some Hasidic Jews light 36 candles on Shabbat? First of all, he, he did. He did. He did. But yeah. it still does, still practice? Some people, some people do. And what he's referring to is the grouping. So that sort of, I was like trying to imagine like a thing like um, David's tomb, like where people sort of come. Is that sort of the image that like there are some candles here? And so I was here? debating how to translate it. I was doing this with Wendy. It doesn't say in the text that he, that um, it came out as groupings. It, said, it says that... Um, it was He found them kind of contracted. Into Lamed Vav, so it could. Yes, I think that's what it meant. The whole community lit, lit candles in the Bit Knesset, and in the morning, can can. That's what I think. I yes, that's what I think. Uh, yeah, the nice part about it is that he had such pleasure from it. Yeah, you could see it was a very deep so thing for him. He could see. Yes, yes, yes. He did start. What? When? Yeah. With the Baal Shem Tov. Which was? Uh, end of 17th century. Before Freud and before Buddhism. Oh, yes. But Freud took from them. 
Even in his own Buddhism. Well, Buddhism is much, much, no, Buddhism is much, much earlier. Maybe a development of Buddhism. I'm less familiar with development. I know This is beyond of the beyond. Nothing like this. 17th century? Well, he, he, no, uh, he died like in. Elif Shavam, um, 1700, more or less, yes, yes, or 1690. What? I won't be here for tomorrow's session, but I want to tell you what a pleasure your teaching is. Thank you. 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 Th
And um, I was in a cloud of 36, I would say. And uh, last year, one Friday before Hanukkah, I was in the kitchen and I was peeling potatoes for Shabbat in the kitchen and the radio was open. And it was open in a, on a popular station in, in, uh, in uh, Israel, Galei Tzal. And I was listening to a program um, that still exists today. It's uh, before Shabbat with a singer, Eud Banai. He talks and he plays music. It's very nice. And he spoke about Bait. By the way, he never mentioned Hanukkah. This was Kislev, but he spoke about Yaakov. Yaakov is the signifier of Bait. Uh, it's all connected, Kamuvan. Um, he spoke about the parasha. And suddenly he said, and I'm peeling my potato, and, and he says, Hey, you know, you know how many times it says in the Torah, <laughs> 36 times it says, love the girl, the, the stranger. So I almost dropped the potato, and I'm not joking. I was just... And I looked around, like, did other people hear that? Like, I looked at my children, did they hear? Like, maybe I, maybe I invented it, maybe I was imagining it. Because you know, the, going back to Hollywood, you know those movies where you're so involved in something? So like, you go to the super and the loudspeaker is talking to you, and you go to another store and another, you know, someone's talking to you and everything. <laughs> so I felt that I was just, I was with this potato, and Lamed Vav came out of the radio. It was just very funny. It was very amusing. Anyways, Lamed Vav is really everywhere, everywhere in our, uh, in our uh, uh, tradition. Uh, even like the teachings on Hanukkah in Breslav, Reb Nachman has eight teachings on Hanukkah, eight, the number, uh, eight, uh, the number of the days, the only Chag, like we said, that's eight days in our tradition, and the number of halachot that his student, Reb Natan, Chidesh, uh, uh, that he um, wrote of, are 36 also. This is intentional. Um, anyways, there are many, many Lamidvars. So I want to read with you these two Torot, and this will open up our gate for tomorrow's learning, which unfortunately is our last one. There's so much, so much to say about Hanukkah. We need a Hanukkah miracle to uh, get everything together tomorrow and choose what to, what to, choose what to choose. What? Voila. Esel. <laughs> so I want to <laughs> okay so for, let's start with um, where do you have it source number six okay who's our reader and who's our English reader yesterday we had Tova uh, you Hebrew your name just remind me Simon and English who will read Yefe, and your name again? Ah, Tamar. Yefe. Ken, Kisle. Okay, wait. Now, Tamar will translate. Okay. Right, I'll just say the Rokeach. Uh, the Rokeach is uh, relating to Bala Rokeach, Rabbi Lazar Mivorms, uh, 12th, 13th century, from Hasidut Ashkenaz, not to be confused with uh, the movement of Hasidut that we're talking about. Uh, he was a big posek, and, and the Bnei Saschal mentions him uh, a lot. Okay, Slichas, Ivan, continue. Uh, 
The word is remizat, hidden. Okay, so I, I want to, that's uh, who you said, Sharon, about Tevet. So he actually talks about it a lot. You can, I'm sure it's in the library here. At least we, we ask that it be here. There's a whole shelf here of Chassidut books. So I want to say I didn't, uh, I didn't actually check out the number of times that appear in the Torah, these three words that he mentions, or Neren Merot. I have to admit, personally, it's not like the whole number thing. It's not like where I get my high from. You know, it's not like my thing. Um, I also I didn't feel like it was so important to actually do this counting, you know, the number of the letters, etc. But the truth is, I was wrong. Uh, it is important. Why? Not the number of uh, mentions, dafka, but the fact that these are, according to the Bnei Saschal, these are revealed uh, signifiers of a hidden reality. That's really what he's saying here. Right, we're going back to the inyan of a of a Torah of oral Torah, what you don't necessarily see with the eye, right? Written Torah, Torah is what you see, is what's there in front of you. Your eye sees it as it is. There, you don't even have to um, activate a special kind of vision. It's just there. It's written, right? Torah the oral Torah is what's not written. It's what you see in a beyond way. Right, we're going to get deeply into that tomorrow. So these mentions, these 36 uh, mentions in the Torah, testify to the fact that in the Torah, with all the revealed in it, is a hidden dimension, a, a nistar, a ganuz dimension, that is like bubbling under the surface. Uh, and there's a key, there's a way, a gate, to open up that, um, to open up, uh, that dimension and be exposed to what is hidden in the Torah. The Torah has a, a, an exposed dimension, a visible dimension, the one that we live with all year round, of course, and the Torah has a hidden dimension, which relates to what is hidden in us, in the, with the hidden forces in us. And what comes up is invited to come up during this time. I want to uh, try and explain this. There's a conversation, there's a dialogue going on here, sort of a hitkatvut, a dialogue between different dimensions of hiddenness in the world. We, talk, we talked about this a little bit 
yesterday when, we, when I mentioned the idea of positive psychology. If I am exposed to something hidden in me, to the element of all ganus, the hidden light in me, I, I, am, I actually see, I, I can detect in the reality around me dimensions of all ganus too. Right? If I am aware, if I am, if it, it is surfaced, if it goes from the bottom of, um, from under the surface and it, it, it kind of uh, comes up, becomes exposed. I'm missing a word. It comes up for me, then it can actually come up from the bottom of, uh, from be under the surface and come up in other realms in my life, like people around me, my husband, wife, my children, what I learn, the Torah I learn, the letters I learn, right? The aspect of sleep that exists in the letters that we read yesterday turns around and becomes awake for me because I'm awake. Ken? The, my relationship or my thought about my soulmate or my children, which sometimes might be in the dark side, like I'm, uh, I'm you know, I, I enter this Olga news in me and I see them with more of the hiddenness in them. And this takes us into the idea of the tikkun of the nine, the fixing of the eyes, which is what Hanukkah is, uh, is really about. These words, or ner and merot, according to the Bnei Saschal, candle, light, and luminaries, are, are the spark from the Midrash. They're the gets, the, the, the spark that comes up when I uh, um, move a stone with a stone. And there are a glimpse into the possibility of light of Olganus. The one who expresses it very nicely is Repinchas, Mikorit. The second, um, we have five minutes, the second uh, Torah that um, you read, maybe we'll read only the, I want to say only the Hebrew, but it's not so fair to you. And then if I'll say only English, it's not fair to me. Like, how can we not read it in Hebrew? But we'll read it in English just because of the time. Try and hear it in Hebrew. Tamal, <laughs> uh, can you read it to us in uh, English? Uh, source, uh, the next source. This is a great, by the way, when it says here, I heard from my teacher, it's referring to Repinchas. Like I explained yesterday, this is a, co- a, le- a collection of his teachings that was put together during his time, uh, which is unusual. Um, so he really had, a, he was very connected to the theme of 36. He had a custom to light every Shabbat, every Erev Shabbat, 36 candles. There are people who did this. I think there are people who still do it, uh, lighting 36 uh, candles. Um, What's that? You have to be careful, that's all. You can burn the house down with two candles, too. Um, um, okay, and he said that, uh, and that the Ora Ganus, the hidden light, was hidden in the Masachtot, in the Torah Shebaal Peh, right, in the, hid, in the in oral Torah. Um, 
And once I heard from him that this light is called Oshel Mashiach, the light of Mashiach. There's a lot to say here about this Torah. I just want to bring up two themes here. Mashiach, like I said before, is a central theme in Hasidut. Well, I, think, I hope it's clear that we're not talking here about the figure with a long beard driving, riding on a white donkey. We're talking here, Mashiach is a metaphor. Ken, I think we'll go into that uh, tomorrow. Um, I just want to mention this story because it's very beautiful. Reb Pinchas, like many Rebbes, uh, was on his way to Eretz Israel, And like most Rebbes, didn't make it. Right? He somehow ended somewhere on the way to Eretz Israel. He ended in a town called Osra and he became the Rav of this town. And he's describing here, this is a, the students are describing here, it's a very sweet story because apparently people were lighting, I'm assuming, people were lighting to not burn the house down, the wooden houses down. They lit, everyone lit in Bet Knesset. Uh, and, he, and this is not referring to Hanukkah. He went, uh, he, get, he came back in the morning for tefillah and he saw that all the candles that were lit, maybe hundreds, I don't know how many, he, he saw the wax all gather into 36 uh, um, piles or pools. I don't know how, what? Groups. 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 Ken. And, um, and this gave him great pleasure. It's a very sweet Torah because you see how connected he is also to this idea of Lamidvav. This is something that gives him great pleasure. He was looking, he was counting to find, will they come out as uh, 36 or not? This is obviously very, very uh, deep for him. So I, I want to explain, just to sum up this part. Like we said, that there are 36 tractates in the Gemara, from the 63 uh, tractates in the Mishnah, right? The light of the 36 tractates is the light of the Lamed Vav, the light of the Lamed Vav uh, candles of Hanukkah, uh, the hidden light was buried, was hidden in the Torah. Okay, and that's why Hanukkah is the Chag of oral Torah. You remember that we mentioned in the beginning that there's so few Dapim uh, in the Gemara about Hanukkah, right? Uh, even though it's the longest Chag of the year, this hidden aspect, this not non-immediate aspect of the Torah is uncovered on Hanukkah through our connection to the hidden light while we light candles. Okay, we have a special invitation to be in mesugalut, to be in uh, opportunity, in openness, in mezumanut, to be um, invited in, to see this hidden light, to see this hidden, the element of hidden, in my life, in the Torah, in my family, in my surroundings, in my work, etc., etc. Uh, again, will it happen? Will it be like happily ever after type of everything, all the hidden will come out? And everything? No, we don't know. We don't know, but that's not the point, again. This possibility exists in the time of Hanukkah. I connect to the Ora Ganuz in me, and the Torah opens up to me in, in all its secrets. Now again, I, I might not connect to all the secrets. I might not be able to crack them all open. That's not the point. Okay? Things suddenly come out, out for me. I, I'm, I see things. I see things differently. When I am lit, the light in the world around me is available to me. I see it. Suddenly I see better. This is the beginning we're opening into... Tikkunai 9, the fixing of the eyes. Um, I want to, I want to, we have to end. Uh, okay, so, you know, we'll end here. Tomorrow, uh, wow, we need a miracle. Chayai, <laughs> we need a, uh, um, but I think we'll open with a limud of the Netivot Shalom. Uh, bring a koach, because we're going to really do turbo uh, learning. And, uh, We'll see where we go. You'll see. Wait, 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 wait. Don't go. 
Where is uh, Shnia? Where is... Um, uh, this list, if, if just if people are interested, we've been doing uh, evening learnings not connected to Drisha for people who can't come during the day when I usually teach here. If people want to, we did this in the past and it was lovely, if people want to come for a shiul in the evening somewhere in someone's home, usually it's very nice, you can write your email. But someone wanted to, one second, one second, one second. Oh, okay, go. 